0: And on the court.
1: Money's gotta be the shoes. 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 You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Marge. Money's gotta be the shoes.
0: And here's your host, Jamel Cutler.
1: Welcome to another edition of Kicks and Bricks. Pulling up today is WWE Hall of Famer Charles the Godfather, right? What's up, my brother? How you doing?
0: Bad. First of all, thanks for having me on the show, and I'm, I'm blessed, man. I'm doing really well, really well.
1: You know, so there's a lot going on in the NBA right now. Like, um, which teams and which players are you currently watching?
0: Um, I watch all the teams. I, I'm I don't watch all the games. I watch as much as I. I right now I'm following the the Nets. All right, oh, Jersey, really? I'm following the Lakers, of course. Uh, I'm keeping an eye on Philadelphia. Uh, I'm keeping an eye on the Sixers. I'm keeping an eye on uh, Milwaukee. You know, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on the front runners. And you don't watch out for Dallas too. Don't count them out.
1: You know the thing about um, the Lakers. I think they will. Re- I think they will repeat. But I think this year, a team like Dallas or even the
0: Clippers might put a big scare in the um, it, it's hard to tell because pre th- this part of the season, they're not giving their all. They're holding back a little bit and they're gonna play a lot more defense at the end. Um, I say watch out for New Jersey, you know, or Brooklyn, whoever they are. Watch yeah, out Brooklyn. for them, man. Um I I don't think the clipper I don't think the Clippers are gonna be a problem this year. I think when the Lakers settle down and they get serious, I think they'll handle everybody in the West. You know, you just mentioned Brooklyn. They just got James Harden,
1: and um, he's famous for you know going to the after-hour spots. Like, um, <laughs> like, have you ever entertained them at um your establishment? Uh,
0: no, I was in a. I one time I was in a club in Houston with him with some other people, but uh, that's not a bad thing. You know, it's not a bad thing. I, oh no, there's not, a lot of other players not- that. Uh,
1: yeah, not at all.
0: in those type of establishments they just don't get caught <laughs> they all do basically Uh um, I, I i ain't here to tell but i know a lot of them <laughs> to do it ain't nothing wrong with, that. Yeah. Nothing wrong with
1: that did james recognize you because because that might have been the site james harden on one side the godfather
0: on one side like That's a part. I was at a signing. I was at a signing. signing. He was at. So, a lot of people that were on, he was one of the basketball players that was there. I was one of the wrestlers. And uh, so, uh, we'd been hanging out, you know, not really hanging out, but we were around each other all the time. And he's like, who wants to go to the club? And I wasn't one back then to pass up going to the club. I pass it up now, but I wouldn't have passed it up back then if it was Harden or anybody. (laughs) <laughs> Charles um, Barkley was worse than any of them, I'll tell you that much because most people know it but uh Charles Barkley was he was out there
1: have you ever partied with um Dennis Rodman because I know he was you know kind of one of the top athletes when he was um back in your uh head. yes yes I've been
0: around Dennis a lot man and when he was uh involved with that Hulk Hogan thing and all that I was around him uh I've seen him a lot in the clubs. I had, I used to have a club called Cheetahs in Las Vegas. he had been there a bunch of times. So, uh, uh, you have to give there. me a a Dennis story, man.
1: I know you have one waiting for me. No, nah, dude, I don't,
0: I don't, I don't, I don't have no stories on Dennis. He, <laughs> we partied different ways. I mean, I was a, I was a big smoker, and he was in the other stuff that I wasn't into. So we didn't really hang out, you know, as that part of the thing. But uh, you know, he just he was, he was wild, man. He was wild. You know, know, everybody was wild. We were probably just as wild as him. I mean, when I got into wrestling, I mean, I was a biker wild dude, man. And uh, when I got around all them crazy fools, I was at home. So he probably felt at home being around us. You know, one thing that the NBA
1: is um, being more open-minded about this season is marijuana. And recently like they announced that they won't be conducting you know marijuana test this season like he talked about like how marijuana can not only help nba guys but people it can help people deal with anxiety and pain management
0: i tried i'll be 60 years old this year six zero and i tried cannabis for the first time at 27 years old i was the wrestler papa shango and shortly i mean for the first time in my life i tried it i was not in high school not in college, it was all right to take a bunch of pills and drinking stuff, but I wouldn't try cannabis. But when I tried it a year later or so, I wasn't taking no more pills. I'd have a shot, but I wasn't drinking. I'd have a beer, but I wasn't getting drunk. And uh, to this day now, I very seldom drink. Um, I uh, don't smoke cigars anymore. Uh, I don't take no prescription pills whatsoever. Uh, All of my health needs are Injuries or just feeling better or just getting through the day is done through cannabis,
1: you know, and I feel like it won't be long until the stigma that surrounds marijuana is completely gone and like I'll even go as far to predict like that within 10 years, it'll be legal across the board in all 50 states.
0: I say within three years, three to five years, because I i mean, like I said, I'm older, man. I, I never thought it would be legal in the first place. But uh, it, it, those doors are being knocked down. The reason being is that old way of thinking is dying off. And now the younger people like yourself are becoming doctors, lawyers, congressmen, policemen, whatever, you know, and they're like, hey, wait a minute, man. My dad and I know. And they're knowing that, all, like you said, stigma behind it's not there anymore, man. And for me, I don't say it's for everybody. But for me, it's been the best. It's 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 been a blessing for me. It's been a blessing. What's your, like, go-to strand? Are you a um, well, sativa um, type of guy? I am a Sativa guy. Uh, that's what I figured. I am, yeah. I am a Sativa guy. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> My THC level is so high that it don't matter if it's an indica or a sativa. I am much more of a dabber. I think you know what that is, right? Mm-hmm. I am much more of a dabber than I am cannabis just because I I don't like taking in more smoke than I have to. I've never been like a cigarette smoker that. Right. So for me to get medicated and me to get my mind where I want it to be, dabbing takes me there a lot quicker, and I have to smoke a lot less. I do have a strain in California now. Uh, I know we just about, I think, back now, and through Dr. Green's, it's, it's called Sane Godfather. And it'll be because Dr. Green thumb is B-Real, he owns dispensaries in California. But I'll be about, I don't know how many, but I'll be in a lot of dispensaries. So you will see insane <laughs> Godfather with picture of me on it and everything, and it's it's really good. It's a sativa, you know, it's kind of a hybrid, but it's mostly sativa, but uh, it's pretty cool, man.
1: You know, I was in Miami. I want to say last year, around November, and um, I was walking around South Beach, and then there was this guy. He was selling some gas, and then the name of the gas was Papa Shango, and I was like,
0: <laughs> "So I'm like, had that voodoo yeah. on it, man. put the voodoo on." You. I would not be surprised if I come out after this strain comes out if we come out with some type of in California some type of voodoo strain or Papa Shango strain or even a you know ain't the whole trade no more. it's the smoke train you know um
1: and I feel like um that marijuana can like really benefit like the pro wrestling industry because I see a lot of guys like back then they was popping pills. And I look at them now, and, like, they can barely walk. And, like, for me, that's hard for me to see because those were guys that I looked up to
0: growing up. Um, I don't know if it's yeah. just the pills or the lifestyle, and the wrestling was a lot different back then. But all those pills and all that hasn't done anybody any good. And, uh, like I said, when you look at people my age, like the Razor Ramones and the – those guys, they look a lot older than me because they kept doing those pills and those drinking, that drinking. And, and like I said, cannabis just really made me healthier. I was out playing. I don't even know if you know what disc golf is, but I went out and played around. The, I did my cardio this morning. I did an hour of cardio, and then I got in the sauna, and then I went and played 18 holes of disc golf just before I came online with you. So, you know, I stay pretty active, man, and I really contribute that to eating good. I don't you know. And uh, cannabis. And uh I take a lot of THC, believe me. What's, like, your best smoke story
1: from, like, your wrestling days? Because I know oh, you was around guys like RVD. Bro, I mean, so I know you have a whole bunch.
0: Of, any, any story that involved me was smoking. I mean, any story that I... Any time if you were to talk to a wrestler, that, that it'd be a smoking story. So, I mean, I smoked all the time. And so... And I still smoke. I get up in the morning smoking, um, you know. I know Undertaker's been telling some old stories about me and stuff. And, it, and most of them, they're funny because I've been smoking. And uh, you know, it just, it, 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 smoking stories. I mean, I, I, there's any story I tell is a smoking story because I smoke all the time. It wasn't like I just smoke on Mondays and Tuesdays. I smoke every day for probably the last 30 years. I've every day.
1: I remember the last time I dabbled, I think I had an edible. I forgot what it was exactly, but um, I was watching the wall, but to me, I was watching TV. I was looking at the wall, but I was watching TV.
0: <laughs> you can tell uh, me no, I don't,
1: and, and no different.
0: I don't really mess with the <laughs> edibles. I don't like the high from the edibles, because if you eat too much or... You know, you got to be careful who you get it from. If it's underground, you could be stronger. Somebody made it. And so I can't judge that. And a lot of times I don't like that slow down and lazy. I'm more, I want to get, I call it get medicated. I don't say hi. I like to get medicated and do things. I want to go do this. I want to do that. Because like when I get done with this, I'm going to go put my heavy bag back up in my garage and I'm probably going to play some pool. And the whole time I'll be smoking. So, I mean, uh, for wrestlers, I, I don't know what they're like now because I'm not there. I know they have a wellness program. Um, I don't know if they're taking pills, smoking. I hope they're smoking. I used to try to get so many of these wrestlers that have passed away. I could have told you what they died of, just without even knowing they died. I could, have, if it was drug related, I could have told you because I know what they were taking. And I used to try to get so many people to smoke cannabis. And I couldn't get them. And most of the guys back then, they didn't smoke and they didn't want to smoke. And I just couldn't understand it. And it's funny now because I'm sure you heard of the group BSK. Yeah, yeah. The Okay, the wrestling group, okay. Potter Undertaker's group. Well, now we have our little uh, Facebook page that we all communicate back and forth and none of them smoked back then. And the ones that are smoking now, like most of them call me Papa. They're like, man, Papa, you were right, bro. Man, I've been using this and I'm using that. Back doesn't hurt. And I'm not taking these pills with this and I'm moving better. I'm like, dude, you've this a long time. Listen to a brother. I was thinking Vicodin, so much Percocets, Percodan, Halcyon. I was taking oh, that shit regularly, bro. And then drinking a, a bottle of Jack Daniels. And Cannabis got me off of all that, so I think that I, when Vince is cool, man, when when it becomes legal, Vince will let everybody smoke. I don't know. I mean, everybody has different things. I had my own, you know, I had my own thing when I was there about smoking. So, I mean, everybody has their own little thing, but I think so, it's a good thing, and people are finding out that it is. So, like before you got into pro
1: wrestling. A lot of people don't know, like, you were, like, a legit basketball prospect. Like, can you talk about, like, what type of player were you? Um, And what was the basketball (laughs) scene like in San Jose?
0: Believe it or not, in 1970, well, you'll believe it, I'll say it. In 1979, Mm -hmm. I was mid-Peninsula through the Palo Alto Times. That was a big paper, probably still is out there. The Mid-Peninsula Basketball Player of the Year. Uh, my senior year, I averaged 20 points and 20 rebounds a game, but I wasn't a basketball player. I was a football player that was forced to play basketball because back then, I don't know, like I said, if it's like that now, but back then your parents had to sign a waiver for you to play football. And my mom, had a, my mom and dad, we had athletes in the family that got hurt playing football. So they didn't want me playing football. So I played basketball. But I played basketball like you play football. I wanted to, and I was a high jumper also. And so I would want to block every shot. I would want every rebound. And we started the thing in 70. I got out of high school in 79. In 77, we started things. C-Y-D, can you dunk? And I averaged like four dunks a game. But I was, it was, the it was just cool. But my problem was, is I played like a center. I'm only 6'5", 6'5 and a half. And I played center. So I played with my back to the basket. But I was so strong and I could jump so high that you couldn't stop me. If I got the ball down low, I was going to dunk on you. Because I could two foot. I could take off from two feet and touch the top of the square. I'm on legit. Just whab, get up there real quick. So I got a lot of ducks. And so my athleticism got me those awards. But then I went to college. I'm playing basketball in college. And now all of a sudden, I'm facing the basket. And I never really learned to dribble and all that stuff. I, you just got me the ball down low and I just muscled that some of the gun in. So when I got to there, uh, I started lifting weights and I started putting on weight and I started getting really strong. I graduated at 190 pounds and my sophomore year, now I'm 250 and I just start lifting weights and I'm hanging out with football players. Long story short, the uh, University of Nevada Reno called me because they'd heard about me, and they gave me a full ride scholarship to play football at University of Nevada Reno, when I had never ever played tackle football in my life. We played flag and tackle like you know, that, type, but never organ. So the first time I put pads on, I was in college under a scholarship. So like you and Shug
1: Knight were like around the same age now, and um. He played at UNLV back then. Did you like ever run into him? Like, uh, I the worked field, with him. No,
0: nah, nah, we're, we're no. I, I think I'm a lot older than him. Um, he. Uh, we worked at a club called Mr. G's, and that's when rap just came out, and they start putting rap into places in uh, gangsta, you know, like gangster type of rap or rap. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, they start. They wouldn't play it at the Thomas and Mac because they are afraid that they were going to have riots so it would be at small venues. And I worked at a club called Mr. G's, and he brought the rappers into the club. So I worked with them for a while, but dude, like one night there'd be a shooting, the next night there'd be a stabbing. And I'm like, dude, and he loved that type of crap. I didn't. I'm like, dude, this ain't me. I mean, I didn't mind fighting. You'd get two or three fights tonight, you'd have people trying to stab you. I mean, it was like that. And I'm like, he loved that shit. And so I'm like, dude, I'm out of here. I, I can't do this shit no more. And so I just uh, stayed in the titty bars and left that place alone. The same guy that I worked for owned that in a lot of places, and he was the one that brought he first was one to bring a black nightclub to Vegas. And this is like '82. There was a black like that you know, and they brought rap in, and it got shut down after a while. But it was a happening spot. All right, so like, what? So
1: what? So, what was your transition like from football to um, pro wrestling? Like,
0: um, I never even watched pro wrestling, bro. When I was, I'm from the Bay Area. When I was a kid, we were in the roller derby. Roller derby bigger than wrestling back then. And I was working in a, a topless club in Vegas. I was a manager, bartender, bouncer. I was all in one. And they were filming a movie with Sylvester Stallone called Over the Top, arm movie. And long story short, a lot of those extras in that picture were wrestlers or, you know, the working wrestlers. And long story short, we made some calls to to do this led to that about about a year, year and a half from that day that somebody, I made a call to the Monster Factory in New Jersey. About a year and a half, I'm wrestling Jerry Lawler in Memphis, Tennessee on a Monday night. Legit quick, it went for me.
1: Did you find like, the transition easier, since you had a like athletic background?
0: Uh, I found it easy because I was big, I was strong and I was crazy. I was an athlete. So yeah, man, it was, for me, it it was easy. I was just out there acting like I normally would act anyway, you know? (laughs) And then being an athlete, you could learn to work with people. So, man, it was an easy transition from foot from basketball to football was an easy transition from f- uh, football to wrestling was an easy transition. You know, from wrestling to pimp, and now from to pimp to whatever the hell I am.
1: <laughs> All right. So, like prior to the Godfather, like I remember you as a soul taker, but um, like the character that I remember the most. Was Papa Shango like? Can you take us on the creation of that um character?
0: Um, that was all Vince. You know, when they hired me, they said that I had a, a body of a monster, but I had a baby face. So when they hired me, I sat home for like three months and they hired me. So I was just working out, staying in shape, and then they called me. We want you to get the movie "Live and Let Die." It's a John. And there's a voodoo character in there that we're going to kind of off on. I already knew the movie and the character. He was also the Ancola guy with that laugh. (laughs) You probably wouldn't remember, but he was the Ancola guy forever. Seven Up Ancola, And uh, I just, I mean, it came from that. That that was all their creative, not mine. Godfather was all me. But uh, that was all them. I was just playing a part. You know, I still remember you. And the
1: Undertaker, when he wore the gray, like you two scared the living hell out of me. Like, especially when you put the curse on the ultimate warrior.
0: Right. Like,
1: and then you put you a were curse probably, on the probably,
0: probably six, seven years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do to this day, I be mean, grown in. It's like, bro, you have no idea how much you scared me when I was a kid.
1: Especially. So I did
0: my job. That yeah, was our, our goal was to go after your kids. And well, I did. Mission accomplished.
1: <laughs> Especially the movements too that you did. Like I think that's what kind of made the character kind of feel like real to life to me. And, and believe like me, I had movement.
0: no I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I did it, the first time because it was on TV, it was tape. And I get back and they're like, I think it was Chief J. Strombo and uh, and who else? Uh, George the Animal Steel, they were the agents. They're like, what the hell was that? I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, you're a voodoo man. You were just out there like a normal wrestler. You got to be shaking and doing this. And so I had to go do it again. And that's why I started shaking and stuff. The first time, I was just a wrestler out there with paint on, you know? I wish I could see that match. I wish they had a copy of that. Like... uh (laughs)
1: Like, how come that character didn't last longer than it did? Eh,
0: I can't. You have to ask Vince that. I don't know. Um, when I left, I was ready to leave, so I was going through a bad divorce, dude. I, I, you, there's no. Don't try. People that try to rationalize why something or it didn't work. I mean, they went another way. They were going to go one way. They went another way. That's business. So I don't try to decipher why and when and how. They've all been to this day. I'm still on track with them to this day. They still come out with action figures of me. They keep me on the network. Um, I still get a check every three months. They've been good to me, man. And so I, to me, I was never a mark for the business. Okay. So to me, it was a business. It was a business. And when I wasn't having fun, I would leave that business and that's why you would see me come and go because I wasn't having fun. And then they'd call me back and I'd be like, No, nah, I don't want to come back. Cause I always had the strip clubs. I was always making money. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to oh, come right. back. They're like, well, we'll let you do this. And I'm like, no, nah, I just don't want to come back. And that's how it was. <laughs> then I'd come back and and that's how it went.
1: All right. So like after Papa Shango came and went, like you like transformed to comma, like to being in a nation of domination and always felt that stable was way ahead of his time. Like, what was it like being in that group?
0: You know, we were just, uh, you take it for granted at the time and nobody knew that The Rock was gonna become who we became. Uh, Just a bunch of cool brothers, man, that tried to help each other out as much as we could. Nobody except, Ahmed Ahmed Johnson was an idiot, besides that idiot. Um, Everybody else was trying, and we tried to help him, but he wouldn't listen. We helped Mark Henry. We helped D'Lo. We helped Rock. We, we all tried to help each other. And all of us came out of that, that fashion, with, fashion with, uh, with new careers, especially me. I mean, I, I became the godfather. It was before it's time. You couldn't do it now the way society is now, but it's right. way before it's time. But I'm telling you, man, it was uh, people either feared us or were scared of us or hated us. But we had a lot of heat on us, man. A lot of heat. You know, buy-
1: you know what I like most about it, like it was a bunch of guys that looked like me. And that says a lot to representation and looking back and seeing all the powerful pictures. I mean, like, I think that was a powerful statement that you guys made.
0: Dude, like I said, you don't realize what you maybe Ron did. Ron's, Ron's smarter than all of us. For me, I was just doing my thing. But, you know, it was just back then. I don't think you could get away with it today, but, you know, I posted a video on my Instagram today where uh, they graded our locker room and made it look like uh, the, the Hearts, the heart Foundation oh, yeah. did, did it, yeah. right? I and that. What, that'd be, just look at some of the pictures <laughs> that were drawn on the wall and stuff, man.
1: They'll but be kicked off the air.
0: But we knew, what they didn't ever tell us, They, you know, they ran by even the blackface thing they did, the, the, the DX did. They ran all that bias first, and we'd all go to Ron. What do you think, Ron? And Ron would be like, well, you know what? But he would make the decision all the time.
1: Like, um, what was your fondest memory of being
0: with that group? The nation? Yeah. (sighs) Just the part, how about a bunch of brothers helping each other out, except Ahmed, who was (laughs) trying to help. And all of us just going out of the way to help each other, The Rock becoming who he became, who every time I see him, he's like, bro, I always And I have one of my kids or somebody with me. They'll be like, you have no idea how much your father was there for me at the beginning. And it's just a good feeling. I mean, I don't talk to The Rock except when I see him or if I see him, but the rest of us, D-Lo, Mark, Ron Simmons, I talk to weekly, you know, we all still stay in touch. You
1: know, I have to ask this. Did you guys ever run into, like, the real nation?
0: I did not. Ron Simmons did one time, and he had to tell you that story. But he oh. ran into it one time. I was warned by Ripper the quarterback, Randall Cunningham. Yeah. He's uh, who's, who's like a preacher now. and He has his own church out here in Vegas, I think, still. He would see me in the gym one time, and he's like, hey, I know those guys. Uh, you better be careful because they don't think what you're doing is funny. And you know, my response was, "Welcome, I don't care." I'd be like, "I don't care what you know," because that's how we were back then. You know, because to us, we were just playing parts. We weren't. It was like to me, it was like being paid to do an acting job. No matter how stupid the movie was or how bad the part, you just tried to do the best you could as the part. You know what I mean? Because they were paying you, and that's how I looked at it. And I never if i didn't want to do something i would tell them no they wouldn't make you do it they'd always ask you first but like blackface people think different about blackface now than they did you know yeah, 20, uh times. 25 years ago people thought different about it it was it wasn't as big of a deal
1: so like um being in a nation kind of gave birth to like the godfather um can you talk about like how did that um persona come about and how did you like portray it on tv like because basically the
0: godfather (laughs) is yourself basically the godfather is nothing to do with the wwe or f the godfather is my wife most of like 80 90 percent of the godfather is my wife's idea my my the smoking parts me and the, the silliness of me but all you do is you see the when i turned about Nah, about 30 years old, 35, man, I kind of changed my life. and I became a nicer person up to that point. I was a mother. And uh, it was, it's just me being my high-ass, fun self and her putting cost. I wanted to be a mean pimp. <laughs> and I wanted to wear nothing but black. And, and she's like, no, you got to do this. And you got to wear the hats. You got to wear the feathers. And we got to get the chains. And I'm like, so I just listened to her. And then I would just I came up with the creative stuff that was done in the ring, but all the costumes, all the outfits, and then I would come up with the sayings on the back of my vest. but uh, 80, 90 percent of that's my wife. Did the suits who I'm still married to?
1: Did the suits at the time like kind of understand all the smoke references
0: or no, did all that I, go over their head? I I will say this. I told Vince what I was saying, and he. And later he said that I didn't know that a blunt was this, and I didn't know blunt was that. <laughs> but I, I mean, um, a lot of people didn't know what I was saying. I'll say that much. And uh, but I think I was pretty blunt about what I was saying. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> Can that you imagine is- now if the whole audience was crowding, <laughs> shouting, "Roll a fatty, pull well, this pimp, daddy, light that blunt up," and say? Pippa, ain't easy. Could you imagine people cheering that right now?
1: Man, the cancel culture will be all over you just for bringing (laughs) up the girls,
0: basically. I'm glad I came through when I did, man. Because I don't think, I don't think, you might see a lot of Shawn Michaels and Undertakers and Brock Lesnar. You might see a lot of wrestlers like that come in different names, but I don't (laughs) think you will ever, ever see another godfather in the form that i was in
1: oh no like do you feel that um the godfather could work today
0: on screen no not at all no because you couldn't call girls hoes you couldn't talk about you couldn't talk about smoking well you couldn't talk about any of that you couldn't you know i couldn't say i was pimping hoes they should wide. <laughs> i was just about I, to I, say I, that i couldn't offer <laughs> i couldn't offer sex instead of I, you couldn't do any of that stuff that i was doing
1: so, um, in your mind, how has the wrestling business changed from like ninety nine two thousand to um twenty twenty or twenty? Uh, wrestling
0: business changes with society, so all you're seeing is what society's like. You know, the that's it. wrestling has changed. I think because, and I'm not here to hate on nobody. They, dude, they hated on Papa Shango like you couldn't believe how these old timer. If I wasn't as big and tough as I was, I'd have been fighting all the time because these guys hated Papa Shango. I was going to ruin wrestling. I was a gimmick and all that crap. So I ain't here to hate on nobody. Wrestling changes with the way society changes and with indie wrestling and all that, it's brought a whole different type of wrestling to the game. And, and that's what people like. So, I mean, the old ways are out, man. And uh, you got to accept the leg slaps and all that stuff that they do. Now it's just part of the game. And it's like, one big spot now, but Hey, I ain't mad at him. I'm glad I didn't have to do that.
1: Like a few weeks ago, the undertaker, he was on Joe Rogan's podcast. And uh, he said, um, that this generation is kind of soft. Like, do you agree with
0: that connotation? I have no idea, brother. Taker knows he's still around him. Young kids. I have no idea who's soft and who's not soft. Uh, I had a conversation with my son, my youngest son's uh, 18 years old. And, uh, I had a conversation with him just. He was working out in the gym over right across from me here, and uh, we were talking about that. And he was like, "Dad, were the wrestlers tougher back in the day?" And I'm like, "I don't know if they were tougher, but they were a lot stronger because when I was there, there was five or six guys that could bench press 500 pounds. Me being one of them. I mean, there was that many of us could go in the gym and pop 500 pounds, and." Uh, I bet you there ain't nobody there now that can pop five hundred pounds.
1: Might be one or two, but
0: not the whole locker room. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any. Five hundred pounds is a lot of weight. Yeah, but if there is, cool. But just, but back then the uh, the guys were, the guys were a lot bigger and a lot stronger back then. But that's you know they were also weren't doing all the moves that they're doing today too. So like I said, I ain't mad at nobody. (laughs) Uh society changes, so does wrestling. Um, do you but think did you never have another godfather no? Not
1: in that think, form. Do you feel I mean, do you think that you could have that you could have performed in like the COVID era with like empty arenas, and, like no fans in the stands? Do you think that you could have performed in yeah. that type of en- environment? Yeah. Hell yeah.
0: Is I it pretty
1: easily?
0: Is it hard? It would have been home. easy for me because I, I, my blind ass couldn't see past the second <laughs> or third row anyway. So uh, it would be my part would be is I talked a lot in the ring and I'd always mess with people in the ring, so I'd have to stop doing that because you would hear it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'd oh, be classic. talking about all, I'd be talking about what we did last night and will you? I'd be talking about all types of stuff in the ring, <laughs> and that's why uh, there was another post of the Undertaker where. Our, I told him, I'm like, I've known you a long time, and I know you like hoes. And he's (laughs) (laughs) I would do stuff like that to people, man. Wrestling for me was a good time. When I wasn't having a good time, I'd come back to the titty titty game here in Vegas.
1: You know, I can't even imagine The Undertaker inside of a strip club.
0: (laughs) I can. (laughs) Well, see, back then, bro, it was... There wasn't no Nintendo, no Playstations, no internet, no cell phones. It just came out with beepers. So every night the whole card would go to a topless club. That's where you went. And you might not all hang out together, but you'd be there. And so we uh, we spent a lot of time in those places. A lot of time.
1: You know, I can see him taking a girl to the back saying, rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm going to leave that one alone <laughs>
1: <laughs> Alright, so um, before, before we get into trouble, do you have any um, do you have anything that you're working on, like any new projects anything that you want to promote
0: um, Like I said, if you're in California, which is going to be cool, I got my insane godfather coming out on the insane label which is Dr. Greek Dub Dispensaries you Catch me on Cabio Of course, you catch me here on Instagram and in my Instagram, I've got a YouTube channel, smoke train, the smoke train. And you can just hit the bio in that just everybody man, stay blessed. If you're a smoker, keep on smoking, man. And uh, I appreciate everybody. And nothing but love.